Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Jordan Peele's Us, and I am very happy to be joined by recurring guest Josh Brown. Josh, what's up? Hey, man. I'm surprised you keep having me back, and this is the first time I've been back to do a movie that is acclaimed. Yeah, I know. You've been putting in a lot of weird requests that I'd been obliging, which uh, made my viewing habits a a little odd over the last few months. But we're here to talk about a popular one. And I'm also super excited to be joined by uh, my friend, uh, Lisa Koshbakti, who last joined us way back on the To All the Boys I've Loved Before podcast, which was one of the most listened to and most fun podcasts we've done yet. Lisa, thanks for being here. Glad to be back. And I'm glad I'm not talking about a rom-com for once. So we're spicing it up here. Hey, it's not like I've just only invited you for rom-coms. You've done one episode. Uh-huh. I, I, I didn't pigeonhole you. You pigeonholed yourself. Uh, yeah, let's be honest. It's just me. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about rom-coms all the time. Yeah. So, uh, but yes. Yeah, so before we get started, just want to do a quick uh, recap. Us is the newest film from writer-director Jordan Peele, who made his directorial debut with Get Out a couple years ago when he won the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay and really announced himself as like a new voice in the horror genre. Us star is Lupita Nyong'o as Adelaide, who we actually meet at the beginning of the film is a young girl she is at the uh santa rosa not santa rosa santa cruz boardwalk with her parents she wanders off into a hall of mirrors where she encounters a doppelganger we cut back to present day as she is traveling to a vacation with her family at their vacation house uh she's with her husband gabe played by winston duke uh their daughter zora played by shahadi wright joseph and their son jason played by evan alex uh, then after they get to their house, they're planning on going to the Santa Cruz boardwalk, which she is understandably pretty worried about, Adelaide is. They go and meet up with their friends, played by Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker, and they hang out at the boardwalk. They see a couple other odd things there, and then later that night when they're back home, after Adelaide confesses to Gabe that she had this traumatic experience when she was younger and got separated from her parents and saw the doppelganger, all of a sudden a whole family of doppelgangers, led by her doppelganger, shows up at their house, and then we're off. Uh, guys, I guess where I want to start by with talking about this one is that Get Out like had a lot more success just critically and awards-wise, largely because uh, of the level of social commentary it successfully just kind of infused into this like horror thriller genre. And there is obviously some of that in this movie, but it also has something you can appreciate from like a general pure horror experience because I think it does stand as on its own as a horror movie too. And a lot of the discussion from a lot of the content I've consumed, it covers both sides of that coin. So I guess where I want to start, uh, and I can uh, give it to Alyssa first. I know you like just got out of this movie, so I'm, I know I'm asking you to do like a lot of processing pretty fast because you just yeah. saw it today. But, I mean, first of all, did you enjoy it? And was there one way in which you enjoyed this movie? Because it seems like a lot of the talk is people saying, oh, I liked it as a horror movie, but I maybe didn't like the social commentary, or maybe I actually liked its message and I just wasn't as there for some of the horror elements. Was there one way you really appreciated this movie or did you just kind of like take it all in i guess ultimately like taking it all in but i'm i'm thinking back to the tweets where jordan peele was like for get out this is a documentary and then for (laughs) us he was like this is a horror film like he wanted everyone to make sure that they know this and i I wasn't wasn't the tweet about get out as a documentary kind of like making fun of it getting classified as a comedy at the golden globes yeah 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 right and then he kind of uh rebuttaled with (laughs) us's Actually, right. a horror film, right. and he was clarifying that. But I think it was—it's tough too because everyone keeps comparing us and Get Out, and I—and obviously they're both done by Jordan Film. I mean Jordan Peele, but you can't really compare them because they're on their own level. Like I felt more 
social commentary, obviously with Get Out, but with us, there is still social commentary, but you have to dig a little bit deeper for it. And that's kind of what I like as like an English major. Mm. I always love doing the research and figuring out what kind of the underlying message was. Right. And I was appreciative of that when it comes to us. Yeah. Josh, uh, what was your big takeaway? Um, can I tell you like how I kind of expected the reception of us to happen, um, before the movie came out because, um, because as she was saying about like, it was inevitably going to be compared to get out. And I was telling my friends this, like, I felt that no matter how good us was going to be, because it was, it was just not going to be get out no matter what, um, that it was going to be maybe treated, you know, either people are going to love it um, or are going to be mixed on it, but like people are going to just basically say, yeah, get out was better. And then mm-hmm. over time people will come around to it and kind of like unbreakable following six sets, you know, mm-hmm. and now people are saying that's the better film. And I feel like the conversation about like um, us is already in that territory where people like where there's some people who were underwhelmed, but then like there's a, most people are like it and there are some people that are like saying, you know what? I think I respect this more than get out because it's an even weirder film. So where did you come down? Um, me, I think I liked it about the same as get out. Um, I think is like, I, I was more on board for like the visceral horror of it. And I also, when it comes to the movie with like Jordan Peele, I think He's much more confident filmmaker this time around than he was in Get Out, where like that movie, you know, it's kind of like 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 it's a really well. I always felt with Get Out that it was a really promising directorial debut from a dude who's going to make a better movie like soon. Like I felt like it was like his Reservoir Dogs. Like it's like you can see sort of the amateurishness of like you know, and it's real. It's the best directorial debut that anybody could hope for. But you could see that he's, like, relying a lot on, like, coverage. Like, it's choppily, like, edited in pieces. And in, in this one, is a much more visually precise film, which I appreciated uh, a lot more. And But it's also a film that, you know, it's not as funny as Get Out. And it's, and it's more the plot holes might fall under, like, scrutiny, like, and might not hold up that well um because it's the thing with jordan peele is to me he whether the execution is different which i think so far it is i think he has a similar career trajectory as m night Shyamalan. like i think they're very similar filmmakers maybe one is better but like there's you know like they're working in the same vein there's social thrillers they're making movies that rely on twists and have these weird juggling of tone and i think peel's background in sketch comedy has given him a better batting average when it comes to juggling those tones than like Shyamalan. but you could see where it could fall apart very easily I, I think it was interesting, Josh, that you made the point about potholes because I think uh, one of the I, – I should say now we're going to spoil the hell out of this movie. I doubt anyone is listening that hasn't seen it, but just in case that's the, that is the case, I think we can all confidently say that the rest of us would recommend going to see it even if like we might have uh, things we might nitpick with here and there. All of us really enjoyed it as I talked about with the guests before we kind of came on and go see it and then come back and listen to us talk. But 
And you, you mentioned the thing about potholes, and I think it's interesting because I've already seen this movie twice. I, 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 started, I saw it on Saturday. I consumed, like, all the content, and I was like, huh. You know, like, I don't necessarily know if I, like, read it as, like, it being, like, a total class war. And uh, just, like, about, like, the wage gap and poverty and all that stuff. Like, I didn't feel that the first time I was watching it as much. And I think a lot of people were maybe, like, referring – I thought a lot of people were referring to, like, something that uh, Lupita's doppelganger, who is called Red – uh, said in their first encounter, and I was like, maybe I missed something in that that should have made it apparent that it was going to be like a movie about kind of the other in society and like the lesser fortunate and privilege and all that stuff. And I was like, man, maybe I just really missed something about like what this movie was uh, trying to do. And it's something just wasn't sitting right with me about whether or not that was supposed to like really be the kind of be the message of the entire movie. And like I went back and watched it again, and it doesn't really say anything about that. She just like tells the little story uh, when they have the first time where Lupita's doppelganger speaks, which is terrifying and maybe like the most terrifying part of the movie and she's like she gives the whole thing about like she tells the story about a princess and it's vague enough that i think you're still kind of left guessing at that point and i thought oh i thought like i'd missed something like really important at that point uh just with regards to like the origins of these doppelgangers and they don't really talk about it then she kind of does explain like the whole movie in like the the latter part and i think i really enjoyed the movie a lot for i there's two twists at the end i guess in some ways i I wouldn't say it's at first a twist it's more when like uh red gives that entire like kind of speech about like how the the others and the tethered came to be and and then there's the twist about like the true identity of both uh red and adelaide and the latter one i actually think really works with respect to like having this movie's whole entire message come through but i thought that uh I thought that last speech, though, that she gave about, like, the origins of the tether and all that, I thought it, like, raised a lot of questions and potential plot holes that the movie just didn't even need to... It was like a can of worms the movie didn't even need to open up. So I think that, like, left me feeling kind of weird about it in a lot of ways. It just left me thinking about a lot of things I didn't really need to be thinking about. And that was, like, my one gripe with the movie. It's like, man, I just, like, all of a sudden have, like, this whole thing of plot holes that my mind keeps wondering towards, even as I, like, really, really love the rest of this movie as someone that's, like, not traditionally, like, the biggest horror fan. I thought it was, like, super well done and... And super well acted and i still like give it a thumbs up but i feel like that those twists at the end maybe kind of like threw a wrench into it for me that like maybe was one too many and i don't know how either of you guys feel about like these big twists that the movie makes at the end and i don't mind jumping to there as it is we don't have to talk about this movie in chronological order but i mean did did the movie stick the landing for you because i keep hearing a lot of people like use that term like oh it didn't quite stick the landing but like i really loved it and that's almost too harsh for me because i like part of the ending i just didn't like another part of it either Uh, one of you can go Oh, like when I saw the movie, like I was like at first, I'm like, does this like make sense? Like the twist, like when I came out, because like when I'm watching a movie, I'm very much in the moment. In the moment, it's kind of like, but also I saw the twist coming. I kind of, to me, like I thought that was where they were heading at for, uh, for a while, and then it seemed like it wasn't going there. And I'm like, oh, okay, and then like, aha, that was the twist. So it, it was a little, and I'm not. I like predicting twists, but like this one felt a little bit predictable to me. Um, but then I'm like, does this like, cause you have to then work backwards. Like, okay. So her doppelganger has like switched her role and been her since like she was a child. So her doppelganger is the one who's setting up this family and you're doing all the calculations. It's like, why would her doppelganger agree to go to this location when like she knows you know what's going on like there's a lot of things you have to like pick apart and and but like as i was reading like think pieces there's have you guys read the shadow and act like one that like sort of explains like the the like the movie because i thought that was they sold me more on the like doppelganger 
uh, 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 twist uh, than like I had previously thought. Um, listen, uh, listen, did you did you see the twist coming? And if not, did it work for you? Either if you did or didn't, did it work for you? Yeah, I actually, I don't think I really saw the twist coming, and I, I like like Joshua mentioned, I'm pretty, I mean, I'm actually on the other end. I'm usually pretty good about predicting what the ending will be like, or if there's a twist, but I honestly didn't even see it coming and I'm surprised I didn't. But even if you did or didn't like the twist, like Joshua mentioned, you're kind of sitting there after you watch it and it's not some sort of, it's not really a bold ending. Like I guess it maybe was in get out, but this ending is smart because you're sitting here trying to process and like work backwards. Cause after you find out the ending, you have to work backwards. And a lot of us have the attention spans of goldfish. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need to watch this again. Mm -hmm. I need to go back and watch it. And like, in terms of marketing, that's so smart because uh, like a good 80% of people who watch the film are sitting there saying, Oh, I need to watch that again. I need to find out now that I know the ending, I want to sit there and figure out why X, Y, Z happened, you know? Right. and like on Shadow and Act, like this is what I pulled up. Like they actually sell me on the twist. Like it, like everything is like when you're rewatching the film. Like the hint is always there. Like for instance, when you know the scene in the trailer where they're playing, I got five on it, and she says to her son, "Like let me teach you how to get on beat." She's off rhythm in that moment, and it's to show that she's she's a fraud. She she's not mm. like up at the beach and stuff. Like she. She is someone who's had to pretend she's like human for like the past couple of years, and that's why there's something always off about her. And then also, if you look at the poster for the film, it's a spoiler. It's Lupita holding her mask, like, but it's her, like, the doppelganger is right there, like she's wearing the mask of this person that she's pretending to be. And like little stuff, like in the film, kind of like foreshadows it. And so I think that sold me more on it. And to be honest, when it came to, like, the subtext of the film, I actually didn't think it, like, I've heard that, like, class, like, uh, 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 subtext about it. Yeah. And I think it's there. But, like, what I thought the movie was about, like, I thought it was definitely, like, a post-Trump uh, election night 2016 movie. And, like... How do you mean? Like the like right there in the title, us like United States, and I think it's about like the two Americas and how they're trying to untether from like since the confounding of the Confederacy, we've been trying to like split each side has been trying to split apart from each other, and then at that scene, and then like realizing on election night, like you know they're just they're like you know this sinister side to ourselves has always been there and they look identical to us. And so when at, when they're at their house um, and the doppelgangers show up, it's literally red America, like showing up at the. Oh. Of, I actually uh, hadn't heard this theory yet. Yeah. Like I thought like that was my interpretation of it the entire time. And I also thought there was kind of like a social media thing where we hide behind these masks and we don't know which side is more like sinister, our online personas or our, real life personas like i thought it was tackling into both like the sociological stuff and this political stuff as well i thought that's what i saw in the movie um well i, I i'm kind of there with you like i said i didn't really feel the the trump stuff as much or even like i'm saying either any of this stuff about class like that stuff kind of clicks into place for me when you see what that final twist is because you're seeing that you know like maybe something something that separates us from someone that you might see as other is really just privilege and resources and stuff like that because obviously i mean 
the the actual red like which turned into who we thought was Adelaide for most of the movie like turned out okay even if like you said there is stuff off about her it shows that like they can turn into like a normal person if they had all that stuff and that kind of made sense it was just I didn't totally buy that like it felt like a thing about class for the entirety of the movie which I feel like some people were saying oh that felt like that theme was omnipresent for me throughout I didn't think that what I what I was thinking was maybe a little bit of what you were getting at when you made that point about social media where it's like here is what it's like when you are confronted with like a different version of yourself and how scary that is. And, and I, I don't know if it totally works with respect to each of the doppelgangers, but I thought about it in terms of the kids, especially, you know, first of all, there's the son who I think it's implied is like somewhere on the spectrum and uh, has trouble socializing with, uh, has trouble socializing with others. And I actually think even though the, um, even though the the tethered version of Jason can't speak, like he's actually kind of more social than him. Like he's excited to go play with him when they finally introduce him to the real Jason. And is this more outgoing in a way that we're we're told that Jason isn't? And then like I don't we don't we don't get a full explanation as to why Zora doesn't want to run anymore or run for a cross country team. But here's like this other like like I mean, goddamn, I want to talk about that that uh, her performance as the as the other because that goddamn that is just gonna give me nightmares uh, how terrifying she was. But like at least the the alternate version of Zora is like very confident and very excited to like go running in in a way that like maybe she's lost the confidence to do. And it's like you're like being confronted with like a more um, ideal version of yourself in some ways. Not that like the psychotic Zora is actually ideal, but like is maybe has strengths in areas where you kind of wish you did. And just how that can be a very scary proposition in a way to go through life. So that was something I was kind of thinking about throughout. And then maybe other stuff that's kind of click, clicked into place. And that's kind of where I came down on it, you know? When you saw the news telecast on the like the scene where they show you the news telecast of like the demonstration, did any of you guys get like Charlottesville vibes? Like, because like here's this like mass demonstration. We're gonna show you who we really are. And that whole like remember during the Charlottesville thing, like the whole thing they're saying is like the Jews won't replace us. Jews won't replace us. And then you have this like doppelganger like trying to like rip like that's where i get to like where i think it is commenting on like like you know the two americas duh um oh but oh another scene where it's like sort of like so like when you guys are at the beach and like they're like the boy goes missing i read was something like did you guys see that it was like foreshadowing that like what happened to her at like the carnival years ago like was the same thing happened to the son that like being replaced by the doppelganger so what do you think i didn't see that but that could be interesting too but maybe that's how he remember in that one scene he when he was backing up into the fire maybe that's how he knew what to do but then why would he kill then he could have wanted been i'm a mess he could have been wanting to kill his real self then too she, but then maybe that's why at the end they were looking at each other because they both knew and they were the covered versions see i didn't i didn't necessarily think that because uh the first time that red speaks she's kind of giving the, the background of how she she grew up as opposed to how adelaide grew up and she's yeah. saying like look you got to marry a prince and then I had to, I, I had no choice, which is really dark if you think about it. Like we'll get into like whether or not all that stuff works when you're trying to talk about how the the tethered actually work. But um, 
like, I mean, it's like, oh, did you, like, are there actions, like, completely being aped in that, like, you had no choice who, like, impregnated you or something like that? Like, that 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 gets kind of dark. But at the same time, she's, like, saying, you had the benefit of doctors when you had your second baby. I didn't when I should have had a C-section, and I didn't. So I assume that was why uh, the tethered version of Jason had the birth defect because he was, like, Red was forced to give birth without the without the assistance of doctors. She's because that was what she said. She's like, you you had you you had to have a C section. I couldn't. So I figured that was why he was deformed. So that's why I don't totally jive with that theory because that that would make sense that he would have some kind of messed up birth defect if like the mom should have had a C section but didn't when she gave birth. And I think this is like why the movie is kind of like effective in that is like it's provoking conversation and you can watch like us three. You know, we see a lot of the same movies, and yet we're coming out of it, like, with three different perspectives on it. And so, like, this is where, like, at first, you're kind of, like, when you're watching the movie, you're like, does everything hold water? And then, like, I think what's smart is, like, we're having conversations where it's, like, you can rewatch the movie with a whole new perspective, knowing what to expect or whatever. And so, so I'm like, like, are people giving Jordan Peele enough, like, credit? for because people are harping on like this is a flawed movie yeah. and like it's already sparking reevaluation of what like we saw i was just say like i think that's where the comparison you really can't compare them because you had such a strong theme with get out and so i feel like people are kind of wanting answers when it comes to us about how they should think but i also think that's really the beauty of us because there's no like single like conclusion like there's no definite conclusion yet until he might come out and like confirm something but like the beauty of the film is like how you know elastic the metaphor is like you you can really take it either way or if you are a person of you know of color of a certain gender you can kind of take it and choose what you want out of the film too you know yeah because it's a much more ambiguous film than get out and then like i kind of think like the true ending of get out is probably like it is the police officer and not the security like, yeah. like i think jordan peele said that right like they had to just they decided to change it right yeah yeah and but i think that like because when i was watching um us like i was noticing like as much as i liked the film and i was like kind of gripped by the horror of it i was also like noticing in my head i'm like there's two things about this where it's like a american horror films are not gory they can never get like i think like the torture porn era of like the 2000s has like and also i think with school shootings it has like made us have a distaste for gore because this is a gorier film than um get out but it's a far more strained film but the other thing i was thinking is like another thing with american horror films is that like you can't have a nihilistic ending like a quiet place and get out both end on a hopeful message like the heroes persevere and they survive the circumstances but then like well, most of them I, do in a quiet I, place films can't be nihilistic then the ending of get out ha- i mean of us happens and and it, it's not a happy ending <laughs> the person you were rooting for was the villain the whole time but and they might not even be and it was like are they even the villain um well, yeah i want to talk about that too it, it's it's a weird it's it's a it's a it is this is, it's such a perplexing 
film. Well, I think that's exciting in that it, it will like reward you on rewatch, and it will probably come away from it every time you watch it with like different conclusions on all those yeah. questions you just you, you just answered. Like, I definitely like Get Out grew in my estimation with subsequent viewings. Like, I I really liked it the first time I saw it, but I think I, I had one big criticism, and then I, I I just couldn't get over like how like stupidly like obviously blatantly racist those white people the things those white people are saying in it are where they're like oh like do you shoot golf tiger woods plays golf or like this, this stuff like that i was like i mean i get that white people say dumb things but i was like i i almost don't buy that like they could be like this tone deaf and i was like i thought that like i get it you're trying to make like make this argument that like the certain kind of like white liberals are like well, well are, i mean they, they're not as they're not as woke as they might pretend to be but then i was like man like that's not the best way to do it with white people saying stuff this dumb and then like on my rewatches, I was like, oh, to me, these white people saying ridiculously dumb things is more just kind of commenting on the fact that, like, black people aren't in a position where they can say anything when, like, white people say stuff like that. And so much of that film, like, hinges on just the, the looks that Daniel Kaluuya gives when he's put in those situations. And just, like, something like that, like, I, I got it when I watched it again. And I think I might get more about us when I keep watching it. And I'm, like, I'm just, like, excited. I think Jordan Peele's, like, earned my earn the benefit of the doubt from me, even if I feel comfortable voicing the criticisms that I, that I already said, and that I'll, I'll get into, uh, in a little more detail, but you did, I, we, I, I do want to talk about something about the performances. A lot of times I just reserve that for the end, but you made the, yeah. com- you made the comment about like, Oh, Oh, is she the villain or the whole time? Or is she not? Like, I mean, what did, what did you guys make of Lupita Nyong'o's performance? Cause I thought, I mean, it was pretty impressive. Everything she had, uh, everything that rested on her shoulders. Um, I thought like Lupita, like, Nyong'o is going to be like one of those they kind of be like Tony Collette of last year from Hereditary of like yeah she should be nominated for an Oscar and won't be like for this role this is the best performance she's ever given and it should it's going to be in the all time like horror hall of fame of performances because like and then I think her performance will like get better upon rewatch when you realize like the nuances she has to do. Um, but like that scene, you know, a, like I think she's doing an American accent and then B like that scene when you meet red and like the voice is just so chilling. And I was taken away. And, And also Winston Duke, he's the comic relief of the film. And it's also very funny that like, you know, in most films he probably would be the lead here, but it's just like the movie clearly just like, yeah, you don't know what you're doing. This is Lupita's movie. (laughs) And it's so funny how like, he's playing this like oblivious dad from like an eighties sitcom amidst like this horror film around him. And he's just like in over his head. And he's the character I relate to the most out of the whole movie. Well, you're just a big goofy dad, aren't you? Uh, 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 Lisa, what did, what did you think of Lupita? I mean, Lupita, like everyone's mentioned, it's, she's a powerhouse in this film. And I don't think we've seen her in this sort of – we haven't seen her in a horror genre, right? Or being a lead. Or be, yeah, or, or or be, a, be a lead or really be in all that many movies. You know, like I, I had to sit back and re- think about it for a second. It was like obviously she won the Oscar for 12 Years yeah. a Slave and no one had seen her. But then it was like you think about it, it's like – what has she done since then? She she's done a lot of like she did all the CGI stuff in Star Wars. Yeah. She did some CGI stuff in the Jungle Book. She had like a bit part in the Liam Neeson vehicle nonstop, where yeah. she played like a flight attendant. And then she was in Queen of Katwe, which is like a solid movie actually. Yeah. And like and then, and then and then Black Panther, where she was like supporting. And like it's like right. man, like it's been and it love interest in that too. Right. It's been like six years since like since 12 years of slave kid out came out now this is we finally made use of her you know what i mean exactly 
one time like I was subbing like a classroom and like I did the last day of school and like the teacher had them watch like Queen of Quatwe so I saw the copy and I'm like damn this like, looks like a solid like movie <laughs> like, I, I, solid. I got rid of missing it <laughs> is she a lead in it I haven't seen it yet. no she plays like the actually she plays a mom she plays the mom of like the, the like the 14 year old chess prodigy I mean she has a couple good scenes but she she's the mom like, so even in a movie where like you know it's set in Africa a Disney movie yeah, even in like a Disney movie where she's sitting in Africa and she's the most famous person in that cast, um, <laughs> she is taking a backseat to an unknown child, African child actress. Yeah, unknown African child actress had the most screen time. David Oyelio had the second most screen time. And then there might have been someone else and then Lupita. I mean, what? Yeah. So. That's a- upsetting how do you go from like a 2014 oscar to like having these like roles but i mean like i mean obviously hollywood's pretty bad in that regard maybe not as many opportunities for women people of color as they should but like i feel like her agent probably still could have like capitalized on that oscar better than he did to be fair to that asian you got her a star wars movie like like you got like to be fair he to got her that. paid he got her paid i bet so yeah, that's good for paid. them yeah yeah you you after, you, th- after this film though her pockets are gonna be Thick with three C's. <laughs> yeah, I hope she got like a good back end deal on this. And to be fair, she's also a theater actress. That's like her yeah. passion. And I think like she immediately did theater when like, because she's just like, ah, Hollywood's not going to give me good roles. And so right. like, theater is where it's at. Yeah. And so there's that, there's a little bit of that too. But yeah, no, it's Hollywood sucks. When I will say, I mean, it, it is just really cool, though. I mean, like, we, we just rattled off, like, her whole career. And, like, I mean, I, I mean, I thought she was a good actress, so I shouldn't say I'm, like, surprised that she could do it, but I'm glad that, like, she was up to this flex to this extent, you know? Like, I mean, exactly. like, that to be able to pull off both of these parts and, mm-hmm. I mean, to convincingly be someone that's, like, so out of their element as Adelaide is, but, I mean, like, you know, one of the things I liked about Get Out was that I don't think it relied on jump scares as much as I had come to think that horror movies were. You know, I mean, I, I've really expanded my horizons with horror in the last few years, but I mean, that was part of it. It's like, oh, there can be other ways we can, like, make stuff really scary. And this is maybe, this maybe has more minutes of traditional kind of, like, horror scenes and imagery than Get Out, but, like, at the same time, I. I still don't think it relied too heavily on jump scare type things. I mean, to me, like the scariest stuff in this movie is just like watching red march around, you know, like just like that, that, that walk is like so distinctive and you already kind of have an idea of what she's like after the first time she talks and then you see more of it after there. And it's like, man, she is just like terrifying. And with, with, without, even when she's not saying anything and she's merely walking. And I think that's like the big, the, the biggest compliment I can give to her performance is that like she, made me as scared as it is when like someone jumps out from a wall behind a knife just by walking slowly with scissors, you know? Mm-hmm. And to the point about like Lupita, um, to be fair to her, she's not having the John Duhardin like career, uh, like in terms of recent Oscar winners. Remember the guy who won the Oscar for the artist? I knew you were talking uh, about, but I, I actually haven't seen the artist, so I didn't comment. <laughs> uh, but, like, the, the horror aspect of it, too, is, like, the thing with, like, like Jordan Peele, I think his films are also, like, horror films for people who might not like horror films because yeah. they're sort of, like, sort of like your starter kit horror where, it, you know, they references other, like, classical movies, like, um, and, and, like, he wears his homages on his sleeve, but they're also far tamer. Like, this film isn't really it's, – it's, it has gore, but it's not really gory, mm-hmm. and, like, you know – it is almost like a PG thirteen horror film. Like I had like students, middle school students, like see it. Like right. it is sort of like 
I think like if I was starting someone off with like a horror film, it would be the Jordan Peele movies because, you know, it'll get them maybe more excited for the stuff it it that was influenced by, but also you have also the social commentary to cling on to if you're not enamored with the horror. And I think going off that, too, it's really interesting because I'm sure a lot of people have talked about the music choices for this film, too. But Michael, is it Michael LaBelle's mm-hmm. is the composer? Yes. Or, yeah. So the music for this film is so interesting because kind of going off what Joshua said about, like, it being a good starter kit for horror film, I feel like the music of Us was so much fun. And even Michael LaBelle's uh, songs were so intriguing and they weren't scary but they were scary in the sense that you were like having fun but you were still being scared you know like the music was really enticing and although the music was stressful i was more curious about what was going to happen next rather than you have like where you just like it feels kind of lazy in a sense when you think about like previous horror sounds you know what i mean well yeah well i mean i thought the score was haunting but do you want to talk about the um the sequence at elizabeth moss's house uh what do you think of them going with like those music choices there I actually was not a fan of those music choices. I thought those were, like, a little bit odd. Like, okay, when they play Fuck the Police, I was thinking it would have been funnier if they played The Police, like, Roxanne. Like, I would have... Yeah, I I was thinking they were going to play, like, actual, like, police, like, the band. That's that's, that's, that's what I was expecting, too. So then I kind of laughed because I was wrong, and I was like, oh, that's funny, I guess. I feel like Spike Lee influenced that choice, like, in a weird way, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he does have a relationship with Jordan Peele, so he knows. I never yeah. thought about that. That was Spike Lee influence for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like, you know, good vibrate. Like, cause like in terms, you know, it's a horror movie trope to play like, you know, some, yeah. uh, like happy, upbeat, like song during like a, like a, a, a grim sequence or whatever. It's just like, I kind of like good vibrations. I like the beach voice, but yeah. it's just like, you know, like everybody knows it. You know, like I, I, I like, I like deeper cuts when it comes to like choosing like songs, and so like that's well, why I like. I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a musical lightite, so I'm the opposite way. Like I just don't know very much about music, so I kind of appreciate it when the movie like holds my hand in that regard. <laughs> I'm I, I, like, yeah, I'm not like, you know, like the greatest, like, you know, I, I can't tell you like names of like members of bands I love other than like, you have to be really famous and I, I could not like spot you out in a lineup. But like, but like, I think like why the I Got Five on it music, like music cue is better, more effective because it's just like, it's not a song you hear in like movies ever. Right. But Elizabeth Moss, it, like, I love that, like, the other, like, two Americas thing and, like, the duality theme is, that, like, that's, like, the white dysfunctional version of, like, uh, the Wilson family. Well, did, did, was, did you, I mean, I feel like I saw somewhere, I don't know if I, I saw it with uh, my friend Adam afterward, and he was, like, going through a lot of the Reddit theories, and he was, like, oh, maybe this is an example of, like, here's, like, an even more uh, upper class family that's just, like, very relaxed and is just like kind of like resting on their laurels so they're just like more caught off guard uh in a in certain regard and and that's why they don't survive you know like they they never had to fight for anything in their life because they're just so privileged and therefore they're even less equipped to deal with the onslaught i mean there's there's more than a couple ways to look at that entire sequence but i mean i i did think it was at least like pretty well it it was pretty well shot and i had had fun just kind of 
going around that house. You know, I mean, uh, obviously a lot of people have like thrown around um, even after Get Out, they were a fair unfair, like put, putting Jordan Peele in the same sentence as Alfred Hitchcock. And I, I just enjoyed that house. It made me think about the house at the end of North by Northwest. And I, I like when someone can like show me a funny, uh, like a cool house and I get a good sense of its geography pretty easily and can follow like a fight scene in that regard. And like, I just, I, I, I just really enjoyed that sequence, you know? Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I never thought of it that way. That's uh, by the way, like that take that like uh, the white privilege is what prevents them from being uh, uh, being equipped to fight it. That actually sells me more on how like I was kind of like that kind of sucks that like they they die far more quickly than like the Wilson family. Like I was like they right. die way too quickly, but like that that sells me more. But yeah, I know I like the idea that like I now I know what type of home Josh Dervoy wants is <laughs> glass house. <laughs> Here, like a coastal <laughs> but yeah no like the geography it, it's so and this is the whole movie and like we have to we mentioned the composer but also the dp the it follows uh guy mike i can't pronounce her last name it is so confidently shot like it's night and day between this and get out where like the use of the cut like the escalator sequence like jordan peele has much more like control of the mise-en-scene like there's that scene when the, the first house invasion you know there's some wonders thrown in there that like really accelerate the tension and that's another thing like i noticed like the editing was like you know it's intercutting a lot between all members of the family and what they're uh, fighting for and also cutting between like lupita's like flashbacks but it's also like it, 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 the editing is like you know it drags scenes on to like drag out that tension and it's like so it's so effective in that way like i think man the more we talk about it like the more i'm like sold like yeah maybe this is better than get out who knows that's a big claim there are definitely some great shots so like i want to go back i wish when it comes out officially i'm gonna have to screen grab a few because some of them are still like very etched in my brain. Definitely the escalator scene is one of them. I want that like framed in my room. Okay, like I'm taking my posters down right now. I'm going to put that in the background. Okay, so I want to I, I, I talk about that whole sequence because that's like the biggest thing I need to. I, I, before we kind of fill in odds and ends and Easter eggs and round out the performances <laughs> and stuff like that, that's like the one thing I want to talk about. It's like this fine this final sequence, and because I think it's like the one area that I kind of hinted at, at the beginning might have like uh, caused me like uh, caused me to have like a few like different. Uh, questions about the like the movie's plausibility and or I shouldn't say plausibility when this is the plot of a movie but like uh, just whether or not it all kind of tied together as well as it should have given kind of what what they opened up so you have this um, you have this escalator she eventually finds her way back down there at the end after they've after they've gotten out of um, they've gotten out of Elizabeth Moss's house and they 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 run over the other Zora and they 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 get get back there and all of a sudden they uh, they have the thing where Jason kind of figures out how to like get the other Jason to mimic him. And then all of a sudden uh, Lupita is off and trying to find Jason after red has taken him. And she goes down into the, um, she goes down to the staircase behind the hall of mirrors and uh, ends up finding her. And then they, they have it out. But also you have these two different sequences where, where red kind of like gives you like the entire explanation for everything. And I'm wondering like if that, uh, how that struck you guys. Cause the way it struck me was like, 
you know, you could have like had the same message about like the um, about privilege and the wealth gap and how you see other people and all that. There would have been a more efficient way to get to that without like making the scope of it this big. Like, I don't think you needed the explanation of like a government like creating infinite clones to for some reason be able to control everyone. Because then I'm thinking about like, man, this is just like a hallway out of a prison, and I can see how like maybe that like that people in there are, like mimicking all the different actors that are like in this one Santa Cruz boardwalk. But like, and they, and they had the thing where they put on the screen at the beginning of the movie about how there's all these tunnels and service halls and unused whatever throughout the whole country. But I'm like, yeah. I started thinking about the practicality of like how that would actually work. How do they create a clone for everyone? What happens if like one of these clones moves or goes out of the country? Like, is there a tunnel for like connecting everything to every single person's house? Are they with Lupita's family when they're at their normal house? And then how do they get there when all of a sudden they're like at the beach house and how do they all have the clothes that are the exact same as like that are always very similar to what all the people above ground are wearing who gets them the clothes when they grow if they are they having other contact with the outside world to get all of this stuff if this, if this little girl basically wandered around a corner up an escalator how come no one else had like ever done it before did any of this stuff bother you guys because I, I i first i was worried that like i i shouldn't have been like dwelling too much on this stuff but it does seem like another criticism that at least some other people have did this even come to mind for either of you at all yeah see by the way how you were prosecuting all the like being nitpicks i'm like yeah man that's that's your lawyer man he's like tearing you apart but like also um like when the, when the title card for like the tunnels like came on that was like the most Shyamalan like goofy yeah. thing i like i was like trying to that's what i mean by the and also like what you were saying going through this because they're both like influenced by the twilight so Right, both Shyamalan and Peel are influenced by the Twilight Zone, and the Twilight Zone does that. Is not for people who are fans of cinema since, because they just there's a lot like in order to get to the hypothetical scenario that they're presenting, there's a lot of suspension of disbelief. There's you have to like like you know there are Twilight Zones episodes where like the stuff with like the tunnels you would be classic Twilight Zone. Like, there's, the like, government is cloning them or whatever. And as you're saying, like, the nitpicks doesn't, you know, but you just have to accept it for this hype of, like, not get distracted by the, be able to separate the trees from the forest, right? What's that phrase? What's the, the proper way? The forest from the trees, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I think, like, you know, right, like, with us, like, he wants you to get, like, the message, the social commentary. That's what he wants. And he's using these, like, logical suspension of disbelief to get like you know as a shorthand for the scenario at hand um but yeah that's what i mean like the movie has plot holes and nitpicks that you could do all day and and but i don't think i think you'd be missing the point if you spent so much time with it uh, listen yeah. did you dwell on any of that stuff or were you able to kind of like set it aside um i thought the setup was just meant to be more like like sort of mysterious like i don't think i'm now that i'm thinking back on it it's kind of like cringy, <laughs> like the whole setup in the beginning. And and just to start with, I know it's a very M. Night Shyamalan thing to start with words, but I feel like now I'm trying to think about how I would have perceived the film if it, it didn't start like that. Because I feel like he didn't really need to set it up because we would have seen the tunnels to begin with. But I guess, you know, people would have yelled at him for not setting up an explanation for what the tunnels initially were. And at, so, first, and at first I thought this was going to be like, like you know because you don't know what the movie's gonna be about and so like you know with the get out in mind like is this like an underground railroad like metaphor 
uh, and I don't think it is that. Uh, but if I'm going to like a social media like text, like like subtext to it, mm-hmm. it's sort of like what is like you know like that dark web where like all those horrible people yeah. on that like use bitcoins and do like neo Nazi shit like. Right. Uh, like I feel like that, like maybe that's the tunnel. Like, I, I, don't, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think he's trying to do any kind of underground uh, railroad metaphor, allegory, whatever you want to call it. But I do, th- I, 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 I doubt he made this movie without like thinking about homelessness. You know what I mean? And and yeah. how we, and just how we how we treat the others in society in that manner. And I think you could have gotten that across without like introducing like this whole entire thing where everyone's actions like a hundred percent mimic them or in every single way what they're going on down there because thinking about that and how like there has to be a corresponding person for every single one it made me think about that all that practical stuff and i feel like you could have just shit in like like lupita and her family you could have shown their tethered people their their tethered correspondence just living like a, a lesser life and you could have even had the other people doing the hands across america thing without like Without necessarily having to have an explanation that there's one for all of them, um, and I know there's we, we I mean we're not going to get to every single little thing, but I mean there's even the thing with the guy holding the Jeremiah eleven eleven sign, so that they they want you to at least draw that comparison right there. So maybe that begs the question like, oh, is there one for all of them? But I don't think you needed to like introduce it to that extent. And uh, for, to me, it has raised some questions that I think it would have been better if it was just like, why why did they come here? And what, what exactly does cause it instead of like giving you this explanation for what it was that just then beg, begged all these other questions and uh, raised or raised all these other questions and then left you thinking about it. You could have just like had the family be from like uh, have lesser means and be living in squalor under the underground without like having to like have it match up like 100 percent person per person in the entire world. Uh, that That's just kind of where I came down in it. But at the same time, I'm not saying I did not like that whole last act because I did like the twist. I didn't see the twist. That was the one thing I meant to say when I was I was quizzing you guys earlier as to whether or not you predicted that twist. And the thing is, I didn't. But when I went back and had my second watch, like I even respected it even more. The efforts that they made to throw you off the scent, it obviously didn't work for a lot of people. But like one, like I did, I liked the revelation and I liked what it said about privilege. But at the same time, I didn't get it because like I thought they were they. It was believable that a little girl would have that kind of PTSD. You know, one you have the thing. Where like she did get she did get separated and she saw a doppelganger, so I'm like, oh, she maybe would be scared. But at the same time, you see how like I thought maybe her parents had like some really violent relationship that came to a bad end, because you see like the mom and dad like really passive aggressively fighting a ton over the smallest little things at the very beginning before they get separated. And then yeah. when you get to the vacation, when you get to the when you get to the vacation house, you see pictures of like of of the her and her mom that her dad are not in. Uh, like with, with the with the other with other members of the family, and they they mention Grandma dying, and it's kind of implied between those pictures that Grandpa hasn't been in the picture for a while. So I thought like, oh, they might have had like a really bad divorce that just exacerbated like her trauma. So like I thought it like kind of set you up to like throw you off the scent in pretty subtle ways like that that I really appreciated. I don't know if you guys have any more thoughts on that, but if not, like I was gonna kind of ask you for some Easter eggs because I I just kind of brought up a few myself. But I mean, I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on the ending. It seems like I might be a little more down on it than you guys, but that's just, I, I, I kind of had to ex- f- more fully explain myself. I had uh, there's two things. The reason why I could predict like the twist was because you know it, you see the doppelganger like choke her or like like put her hands or to like have some type of like I forgot if she chokes her at first or you just see her turn around. And it makes, like, the scary face. And so I'm like, well, you don't ever see them get out of the thing. You never see the outcome of that. So that's why, like, I was – and then, like, the dad was like, she's not acting like herself or whatever. And so, like, that's why I picked it. 
But um, I would say this. I came up like maybe think the vape. But like I was thinking about the the final shot of like going down the hills and you see the hands across America, and I'm like. When Jordan Peele wrote this, did he just finish the series finale of Mad Men? Because I think it was a very similar. Because you have this like old, like you know, advertisement, like which you know he starts the movie with a hand across America commercial, and you have this like you know famous campaign, uh, uh, PR campaign. That is an allegory for the story that like relates to the like it like the inspires the characters to do something the same way the Coke ad. I mean Don Draper going <laughs> to a hippie commune inspires a, a famous Coke ad. Like I feel I don't know. I think and Elizabeth Moss is in the cast. I think he just like watched M- Mad Men series finale when he like started getting his ideas for this movie. That's my hot take theory. Yeah, true. One last question before I, 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 I want to end on Easter eggs. What do you guys think of the kids, just in the general, kids, as performers? They're distinct. They said like they, they do the things that are demand of them, like have like the girl having to be like this other type, like yeah. And obviously, Madison is it Curry or Curry? Uh, Curry. I forgot to mention her. Yeah. Yeah. She. I mean, she, her performance was amazing but also uh the daughter oh, i'm sorry i'm blanking on her name shahadi right yeah shahadi's uh her red her tethered um god acting was so scary and her eyes and the way like her everything was done it was just it was so impeccable because yeah, like she, even though her thing was running i'm like i'm trying to like run out of my seat that's how scared i was you know i feel like for her alone the makeup hairstyling person should get an oscar nomination yeah i mean that was like really- that's just as impressive as, like, what they did in, like, I don't know, whatever got nominated, like, the Suicide right. Squad or something, you know? I mean, uh, uh, I, I mean, she was just, like, terrifying to look at, but, I mean, like, her facial expressions were, like, also really good. I mean, I think the I think the kid and the boy has to do some pretty subtle stuff, too, you know? Like, just, like, those scenes in the closet or, like you said, when he's looking at the mom at the end and you don't really know what's going on. Oh, well, that, that's the other thing I want to talk about. But, I mean, I think he has to do some pretty subtle stuff for a young actor that was just, like— Mm-hmm. really impressive more quiet moments that he has to excel in but uh, and you mentioned that earlier like the kids like looking at his mom and you don't know how much do you where did you guys come down on that as far as like how much adelaide like actually knew the whole time or one way or the other yeah sure do you want to go ahead i was like let's uh, you want to take this one <laughs> do you have theories on it if you don't have a strong take i'm just curious i don't know the, the ending is so quick that you really i mean you have time to process it because the ending happens, and then there's that, like, drone shot over the lands, right? Beautiful shot. Yeah, those shots were amazing. So it's like that scene happens so quickly, and then you're kind of, like, thrusted into this beautiful landscape shot, and you're like, wait. And then you start questioning everything, and I kind of, like, I'm sure everyone's going to be like, oh, that ending was so long, or why did it kind of, you know. But that also felt like a very Twilight ending, too. I don't know, for me. But, um, like, Twilight series but um i just you know you don't have enough time to process the ending so for me i think i think towards the end the son knows or because he pulls a mask down well he was also he was also in the locker as a lot of that talk was going on and when when she killed her so he might have figured that out and i think like like i would like i think also happening is like like at first like when they start fighting each other like red and her doppelganger because like she believes that like she has switched him out for his doppelganger. But the thing is with him, you know his doppelganger because he doesn't have a mouth. 
Uh, so, like, again, like, there's just so many ways to read, like, that final ending that you know, it's kind of crazy that, like, a big studio horror movie leaves you with more questions than answers. Yeah, I went back and when I went back and watched it for the second time, like, I tried to, um, I was, like, trying to study her face every time anything possibly came up that would, like, touch on her possibly knowing something. And there's obviously the scene where she first kind of, like, gives her confession to Gabe, but basically anytime anything else comes up where they're, like, just kind of talking about the other ones or anything like that, like, I don't think anything's really given away in her face. Like, I think she just received so much therapy when she was younger that, like, she just kind of, like, got brainwashed into thinking one thing. And I, I came down pretty solidly on that. Like, I looked for other clues and i just didn't see it there you know i saw like uh, with like why red talks like the way that she talks like is like so like you know she gets choked by her doppelganger and then like she is speak that she has to spend years without uh, using the language yeah like yeah harnessing like like there's people who don't speak her language and she has to like and then she has to teach them how to do an uprise Right. And so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, she's not practicing English either, so yeah. it's like that's why it's kind of like broken. Right. Yeah, definitely. Are there any, Alyssa? Before we got on the air, you said you were looking at some Easter eggs. Were there any interesting ones you wanted to share? No, I couldn't find any. But I mean, the cool Easter egg I found, I guess, not cool, but the only one I found was that uh, Shahid. Is it, sorry, I keep pronouncing Shahadi. Shahadi. Shahadi shirt at the end when it says like though it's like T H O. Yeah. I guess that's Norwegian for bunny or rabbit. Hmm. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm trying to piece together what I mean. For the, me, when I first saw the rabbits. I was like, "Oh, it's cloning." <laughs> so apparently, one thing I saw in that first scene where they show all the rabbits in cages, yeah. uh, the the row of rabbits is uh, cages is eleven cages long. So that goes along with all the other 11s. You have the kid pointing out when it's 11-11 on there. She wants yeah. prize number 11 at the beginning when she's playing with her dad. And there's the Jeremiah 11-11 thing. So, like, that comes yeah. up a lot. And, like, I – but the thing is I, I've just, like, consumed so much content. I can't remember exactly what the <laughs> significance of, like, it is. But, like, yeah. honestly, Josh? I remember reading the verse. Did you guys read the verse? I read or? the verse, but, like, I mean – evil, right? Yeah. I had to draw a line somewhere. Like, I couldn't talk about every little thing. You know, another another thing I saw, I mean, scissors, because, like, you know, scissors are used to kind of cut things in two, which is what they're doing when they do the untethering. Is there a kind of, like, snipping something that's part of it? Yeah. The, another thing was that the, um, the in the first car scene, the, the back of the station wagon, there's, like, a sticker with, like, the four little family members holding hands. So th- that, that's one thing right there. They're kind of in the same shape as the hands across the world, folks. Hands across America. Were there any other funny moments you guys want to shout out? Because I don't think we talked about it that much. How I mean, Josh talked a little bit about his comedy background, but like I feel like there are like some pretty underrated funny moments from this movie, you know. And I thought that's pretty impressive when he's able to mix tones like that. Yeah, um, I feel like going off that too. Like I feel like people were disappointed because Get Out had so much funny commentary that like us had it, but not to that extent. But for me. I laughed way too hard when the key was under the rock. Mm. I think Winston was like, that's some white people shit. (laughs) Oh, true. Because I'm like, I hate when people leave their keys under like a rock or a plant. I'm like, oh my God, that's so scary. But um, that made me laugh. And then I guess the good vibrations thing was a funny horror bit. But I'm trying to think of other things that made me laugh. I mean, do you guys laugh when she like uh, uh, swung the thing at the owl when she went back into the hall of mirrors? Uh, I remember my audience chuckled. Yeah. You know, I was like the only one in the theater that laughed. It was really awkward. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you Did you guys see it? No, I knew you saw it at like eleven thirty in the morning today, Lissa. So that's a no. Did you see it with the big crowd, Josh? Me. I saw it in IMAX showing on Thursday, and it was like at seven p.m. There was just it was me and a friend a friend of mine, and it was 
kind of it was kind of empty. I was like, oh, this is like not as packed as I would have thought. But also, I think I don't think a lot of people are paying IMAX to see us. So. Well, both of my showings were IMAX, but I got the AMC A-list, so it didn't really cost any extra, so I figured why not. But, you know, it's weird. I mean, the movie obviously did really well. Yeah. But, but, I, but I haven't talked to anyone that, like, actually got that crowded theater experience, which I just couldn't. Like, yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, like, I all had other things to do, and I'm like, those are probably the only chances to see it in a big theater. Tomorrow yeah. night is, like, Tuesday night. We have $5 Tuesdays at AMC, and, like, I, I'm just not going to go see it for a third that time. AMC. Hashtag sponsored. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, it might Tuesday Tuesday night might have a better showing than like Sunday or Monday night just because of that. And I'm like, I was yeah. just kind of upset that I didn't get that big theater experience because I saw it get out in a big theater, and I think these films lend themselves to that experience. But, yeah, like, and by the way, AMC, man, I have I did the stubs thing, the A list thing that you did. It's like they it's 30 minutes away or 40, like almost like 40 minutes away from the house, and I'm like. It, but three movies i guess this fuck you movie pass this is what we have to do now wait you signed up for it even though you live that far away yeah like because like I, I figured this is what i'm gonna do on the weekend i'm gonna like every time i have like a day i'm going to the movie i'm just gonna like make sure i have nothing to do that day and just yeah. like see my three movies because back to back i'm on the same boat i have an amc that's like 20 25 minutes away so i'm like ooh. Three movies a week. I see so many. I'm like, maybe it's worth it. Yeah, it's just like I have to – in order for it to be worth it, I just have to like see them all on the same day. Right. Um, or you guys can uh, just come hang out with me and uh, have a five-second cool. walk to the AMC. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, Josh, I actually – I wanted to disagree with you. I kind of oh. in a sense think that Us doesn't really warrant a big audience. Um, I had like maybe – 10 people total in my theater this morning and it was better because like I could kind of focus on the actual you know it's like easter eggs and I could think more to myself about you know and I also laugh too because I'm in a I'm in South Florida so it's predominantly white and um (laughs) it's like white old people and so four people total out of my 10 people theater got up and left in the middle of it and i mm-hmm. like at certain scenes too i'm like what number one was it the horror that upset you or was it i don't know what upset them i'm like what warrants you getting out of the theater but i'm like hey less people so it worked out <laughs> and it is also like it's a weirdly like paced movie because like the first like hour other than the setup yeah the horror doesn't like creep in until like like 30 minutes in like you know you're kind of waiting a bit um for it well, I want to say, so, I don't think it requires a big audience, but I kind of wanted to see what that was like. And then, I mean, I was going to go see it again either, but like, it totally works without it, too. Like, I obviously like the movie plenty. And I, um, and I, I good about like horror films. So you can be like, if you're watching on your laptop at night, you can have a weird, like, intimate, like, creepy feeling. But also, it's not as crowd pleasing of a film, despite being more scary mm-hmm. than Get Out. Like, Get Out is a movie, like, is he's manipulating the audience the entire time. And like he's having fun, you're having fun with it. Where and it's actually laughing out loud. Where like a lot of times in us, I was like, I did that like snort thing out of your nose. Where I was like, hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like I like being vocal, but like for like a horror film too. Like I mean, I'm not vocal enough for annoying my fellow moviegoers, but vocal enough for like <laughs> it's fun when the audience screams and it's fun when you're all like laughing together. But sometimes I guess you're right, Josh. When you're like laughing and it's a quieter audience, you kind of feel awkward. You're like, oh, what's <laughs> a laugh? Or I was just surprised no one else laughed at. I thought it was funny. Yeah. I don't know. I've I, I, I didn't feel bad. It's like you, you people just don't have a sense of humor. When you said like when you're the only person in the theater laughing, I'm like that was me during Marwin. Oh, oh my god! 
All right, we're not we're not talking about Welcome Tomorrow anymore. So, uh, but, but uh, we're, I'm going to give you guys, before we sign off, guys. Uh, uh, Lisa, any final thoughts on the movie before we before we go? Oh Lord, um, final thoughts. I really liked it. I don't know if I can say I liked it more than Get Out. I probably have to let it digest with me mm-hmm. more, or at least see it again. And definitely, it's a film that warrants a second time around. And I'm looking forward to the theater being completely empty next time when I watch it. There you go, uh, Josh. Any final thoughts? All right, if you're going into us, and if you listen to this podcast and you haven't gone into us, then that's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, but, um, but if you're going into us, don't be expecting Get Out uh, um, because I think you'd be disappointed in that regard because it's just not Get Out. It is – think of it more as like you know, like a Twilight – like you know, think of Jordan Peele as the guy who makes like Twilight Zone movies. Like the, it's all part of an anthology and that one story was about race and it's just like a completely mm-hmm. different scenario. And then that's probably what most of his – career is gonna be like the weird thing is like what's gonna happen like can jordan peele make a straight comedy anymore like he might not have an interest in doing that i mean we'll see uh i I feel like he can do whatever he wants to do i mean until until something messes up of both movies Oh, Keanu's good. I like Keanu. Uh, Keanu's great. <laughs> now, it's funny. I mean, you know what I'll say is, because we didn't really talk about it in that much, but, I, I mean, we're already over an hour, so I don't want to dwell too much more on it. But, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's when you make a movie as as great as, like, Get Out for your directorial debut, like, that, that, that is loaded with all those, like, all that social commentary. Like, fair or unfair, like, he's bringing, he, just because of its success, he brings a lot of expectations upon himself. And if, yeah. if you can manage to do it going into us, which uh like more power to you try and try and just like strip yourself of those expectations and just appreciate it for what it is because there's like plenty to like and i really and i and i and i even if like maybe it didn't like totally like land at the end from a storytelling perspective like i still it didn't it did in some regards and not others and uh so much of it is so strong leading up to then it's made really well as a horror movie and it does really have a lot to say about to me about class and about just uh how how we view ourselves and when we're confronted with different versions of ourselves and there's plenty of valid stuff like that in there even if it's not as direct in its commentary about race uh, like get out is about with its commentary about race and that's okay he can make different kinds of movies and i hope he keeps doing it because it's pretty cool that he's like been able to like fully realize these ideas in this manner and i certainly think that's what makes the movie worth seeing uh before we sign off uh lissa anything you want to plug letterbox websites social media anything like that Okay, follow me on Letterbox at Lissa Lissa L I S S A another L I S S A. Follow me on Twitter, Lissa Kushbakti, um, and follow me on Instagram. Oh no, Twitter is Liss Kushbakti because my name is too long now. And then follow <laughs> me on Instagram, Lissa Kushbakti. Josh, man, I wish I had a cool name as Lissa Lissa. Um, <laughs> and it's then, an original thought. See, I'm in a tricky position because now as I'm a teacher. Um, I, I all everything is like private and even that's not good like someone found like my facebook like something yeah, like 2012 and linkedin yeah pull your linkedin I, on the pod yeah <laughs> <laughs> i using I, I like i have a linkedin but it's like i haven't touched it in a long time i, I, ne- I never understood how to do linkedin it's like it was, that's a social media site that's not fun it's the least fun social media site um <laughs> Plug your resume. Gosh, <laughs> I feel bad for you. Um, okay, plug, um, plug something yeah. or don't plug something. Just go for it. Letterbox, JKB1626, 
and Gemini Man. It comes out this fall. <laughs> I'm going to be on the podcast <laughs> to talk about it with you. Angley, Will Smith, Jerry Bruckheimer, movie of the year. We're going to be, I'm calling it, I called it for Marwin. I called it for Lita. Don't trust that one. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. That's an, that's enough Gemini Man content because you're going to be on more than. And I'm not I'm not letting any more minutes of this podcast go to Gemini Man. It's already too long. Uh, as, you, as usual, people can follow me on Twitter at Josh Chernovoy and Letterbox at Josh Chernovoy. It's J O S H J U R N O V O Y. Now, important important uh, statement for the Second Trade Podcast. The podcast is now on Spotify. You can search the the Rewind Josh, and it'll pop up. I'm going to be in some copyright uh, trademark battles with another podcast that. <laughs> is also a movie podcast that is called The Rewind that pretty much ate my logo that I made first, and my first episode came out two months before then. So who knows? Maybe the next podcast I'll have an update on my legal battle, and maybe I'll send a cease and desist. I don't know. Flex my lawyer muscles. We'll see. Season assist, motherfucker. There, there, uh, there you go. The guy, the, 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 the teacher that has to be really careful on social media is rounding out the episode with with <laughs> with a curse word. But uh, search us on Spotify, uh, the Rewind Josh, and as usual, SoundCloud, iTunes. I'm not sure what next week's podcast will be because like it's kind of an odd weekend. Maybe I'll find someone to talk about Dumbo with me. Maybe I will make it to Dumbo. Wait, wait, wait. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll I'll literally do it again. Okay. I mean, I I mean, like, I don't, I feel like I might be missing or something. It just feels like there should be something else that's like worth talking about besides Dumbo. I don't know. Let's do Dumbo, man. I'm excited. (laughs) I didn't didn't know people were excited about Dumbo. I was just like, I I, I don't and but now I am because it, it fits into my theme with your podcast of doing the weird auteurs misfires that are big set CGI laden. So basically, like, every Tim Burton movie ever. Yeah, but not ever, man. He had a great streak from 1980 from, from Pee Wee's Big Adventure to I Say Sweeney Todd, which that's the last Tim Burton movie I've seen. I so so for me, it's to that it, he's never screwed up except for the Planet of the Apes. That's where I'm at with Tim Burton because I've never seen the. Okay, so people so, really hate. So maybe next week I'll be back with Lisa and Josh talking about Dumbo. Maybe I'll find something oh, else. Oh, yeah, we're going to be and, back next week and, talking about Dumbo. If, if not, we'll definitely be back the week after with a different guest talking about uh, Shazam. So it's just, I, I just got to get through. I just got to get through next week and figure it out. But normally I have, like, a better plan I, in place. Her head, like, well, what was that for Shazam? Like, <laughs> Shazam's going to be bad. <laughs> it's, you know, really you know, it's already getting good reviews. Like, really? Mario came up, yeah. Yeah. So People we'll, say it's fun. It's we'll fun. See. You know, like, I mean... I, you can't write off DC yet. So, uh, everyone, yeah, thanks for having a upswing. Aquaman, then Shazam if it's good. Like, okay, Get out of here with this Aquaman love. Uh, everyone, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.